0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Three Wise DMs, the podcast for three Dungeon Masters who've been doing this for way too long. Talk about what they do to try to make their games as good as possible. I'm Thorne and I'm joined by... Tony. And Dave! Here I am! Again! I thought you were going to go raucous like a hurricane.
1: I didn't know. Mm. I'm really trying to come up with like a really cool... Like tagline that I come in with, you know, that everybody expects.
2: So, like a catchphrase,
1: yeah, start sending them in, guys. So as soon as he, as soon <laughs> as he gets one, one, then he'll change you gave
0: it up. A catchphrase. Just to, the rock, I thought you're going for the rock and roll dungeon master. I thought, wasn't that oh. gonna be your thing?
1: Oh, that's totally gonna be my
0: thing. There you go. Oh
1: my god, I'm gonna be like doing an episode with like Motley Crue when they're all like old and they'll be playing bars.
0: Sure. Well. That is today. Motley Crue was old today. Yeah, too late. They're older than we are, though, I think.
1: That's oh, weird. they are. Yeah, oh, I, mean, I got yeah, it's it. Terrible. It's terrible. I put on classic rock radio on Pandora, and it just comes up with, like, guns girls, and ropes. Girls, I'm girls, like, girls. Fuck, yeah. you. <laughs> fuck you, Pandora.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. Smoking <laughs> so, in the boys' room. Yeah. you know exactly what musical background our tips are coming from. Uh, yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> So we've talked about we've talked a lot about you know what we do to make uh, to, to make various aspects of the game go well and try to do the best we can with them. We've talked about crazy dungeon master tricks that we've pulled ourselves. What we haven't really talked about yet is crazy things our players have tried to do. So that's what we're going to talk about today. Crazy player stunts that different that, that, that different folks have pulled on us over the years things we went, you want to do what and how we handle that and how we dm'd now you know guys this is kind of a funny one for me because with my dming style nine times out of ten i'm just like okay here's how you do it has anyone right, really caught you right. flatfooted right. Uh, yeah
1: yeah absolutely yeah every game actually but i was talking with uh i was talking with bon earlier because i was like she's played in in every game uh, pretty much that i dm'd up to this point oh. and uh except when I was, like, 10, right? But um, I was like, can you remember any... I said, here are the ones that I'm thinking of. Can you think of any other ones? And, well, like, she brought some up. I was like, yeah, but that's just D&D. Yeah, but that's just... <laughs> right? So, they're like, there's a little of that, too. There's a little of that, too. Mm. Like, what? Like, what's just D&D to you? Well, like, just people doing, like, just weird, crazy ideas. Like not, But, like, the things that I'm coming up with are either things that that... I just went like, holy crap, that's so amazing that I want it to work, so we're going to figure it the fuck out. Or it's like, wait, you really are doing that, and I'm trying to have you not do that, and you're still doing that. (laughs) And you're going to die, and I'm trying to save your life. (laughs) You know, and so we'll we'll get into all of that.
2: (laughs) There was a great meme that uh, my friend sent me, and it said – your expectation of being a dungeon master is you're going to teach your friends how to be fantasy heroes. And then the reality is it's more like you're a second grade school teacher for insane kids and no one's allowed (laughs) to die until the end of the semester.
1: (laughs) I think that that's, yeah, I think there's, there's some fairness there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I definitely think so. I mean, you know, and it is kind of, it's that, it's a fine line between, okay, the player's doing something crazy I didn't think of it. How am I going to DM it? And the player's doing something crazy. That's going to get them all killed. Dear God, why aren't you seeing the signs? You know, they're like we're following the signs. Every sign in that direction is a stop sign. And then in a wrong turn and a no way, no, in a no outlet sign. It's go back. So in the,
2: um, in Bloodstone two, which I actually going to reference again in this later, um, there is a trap where you walk into the temple. When you finally reach the temple of Orcas, you can't fly in there. And there's a sweeping staircase with all these stairs, and every time you step on them, you take damage. Mm. So there's no flying, and every time you step on the stairs, you're taking damage. Ooh. So what are my guys doing? It's the endurance, <laughs> the Iron Man. They're trudging up there, like, ow, ow, ow. I can heal. I got potions. I got wings. Can I apply first aid? And they're doing this, and I'm like, oh, slackjawed, and I'm like. Actually, if you had searched the area better before you started this insanity charge up the stairs, if you drank the water out of the fountain, you don't
0: take any damage.
1: But where, that, that's not fun. <laughs> I want to charge Were there up any
0: the, clues? Were there this, any clues pointing them to the fountain?
2: Uh, uh, the fountain Phantom, the Phantom was, in fact, magical. There was water hmm. in there, and if they dug around, they perhaps would have seen that the magic was tied to it, but hmm. they didn't. I'm gonna like, yeah. rainbow the strap up these stairs.
1: I'm gonna agree with Tony on that one. If there's a fountain in the room, like, and you're not checking it, like, fuck you, then you're done. Like, I, I can't <laughs> help it at that point, right? I mean, there's a fountain. How is there water in this thing? We're at, like 150 feet down below the center of the earth. Come on. And there's still fresh water in it. Dmave is afraid. not afraid to
2: kill players. <laughs>
1: <laughs> speaking of speaking of traps, so here's one um, that I didn't know if it was necessarily like it was no, it was crazy. So this is when I jumped into DM kind of a, a little like a multi-night uh, arc with a, Bonnie's nephew Jake was running a long running campaign in his world, and I jumped in. So I, in essence, took my character out, my paladin, Aaron Pendragon, and I made him, he had gone off and gotten lost, so they had to kinda search for him. So, anyway, it was a cool world, though, because what Jake had done is he took the modern world, maybe a little bit in the future, and something had happened, some sort of, like, blast from space, or an EMP, or something, It in essence, wiped out all technology, so now you're kind of in this dying Earth thing. Uh, so, it kind of set it back to, like, D&D times. But... Very much we were, Yeah, we were Yeah, we were still modern enough. Uh, but, like, we couldn't use gas-powered stuff. So, like, they had created, like, like steampunk things. So, like, we had this steam-powered Bronco, you know, and shit <laughs> like that. So, they're traveling. And I, in essence, because it's set in in... Now, it's set in Pennsylvania, right? Like, we were going all around. Like, our headquarters was the King of Prussia Mall. Right. That we had taken over.
2: No monsters could possibly find you in there. I can't even find it.
1: Right, right. It's a a fortified position. You can't get in. So what I decided to do, I thought it was a cool idea, and it gave Jake a a second to play as well. I decided to kind of take him into Jersey and do the whole Jersey Devil mythos. And I took all the stuff from like Weird New Jersey about like the Pine Barrens and Mother Leeds and the Jersey Devil and all this stuff. And I kind of made some encounters within the pines that I'll get into later that were, you know, they were kind of some fun encounters. I got to play with like real New Jersey mythology. But I had them crossing the bridge over into New Jersey, finally. And they come to this blockade and it literally looks like this huge blockade, like it's. It's Les Miserable on steroids, right? I mean, this thing is you can't get through. And there's these modern-day pirates that are there, and they figure out that the pirate is kind of a programmed illusion that just is trying to get the toll from them. And her brother's character, the dwarf barbarian, is uh, has the impulse stat that we've talked about and decides to say, screw this we're just charging right through this blockade. Mm. They don't know that the blockade is also an illusion. So he blows through this. So I'm like, okay, so you're going to drive at a brick wall, right, in essence. And then he's like, yeah, let's do it. And everyone at the table is like, why are you doing this stop? And they're trying to grab him, and he's just flooring it, right? (laughs) He goes through the illusion, but then that's where the trap was that I wasn't expecting him to drive his Bronco straight into, and it was a sphere of annihilation. Wow, that, wait, what? That starts rolling down towards them, right? This huge Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark boulder. And he has to twist the wheel. And he's like, I want to I try to evade it. I was like, okay, you're currently going like 40 miles, whatever, right? So I made him make a couple rolls. He, in essence, rolls the Bronco. He flips it a couple times, right? The Broncos, they escape the sphere of annihilation. But, you know, I was just like, do you want to ride at the wall you want to just drive into it like he, he didn't know it was an illusion i know it's an illusion they don't know he's driving directly into the wall and that's you know there you go so
2: you think you're driving into my wall there's a sphere of annihilation behind there it's like literally <laughs> the most dangerous thing in the universe i gotta tell you it's not that excessive in its
1: damage in in the 5e version if you look at it 5 uh, no, it's, 5E? it's uh, not
0: it's They've chilled it out, you know? Yeah,
1: yeah. I don't think it should be called the Sphere of Annihilation anymore. I mean, you know, a a, a dragon can probably do a little bit worse damage to you. Uh, I think Baba La Saga's cabin did worse damage to you than this thing could have. So,
0: but yeah, yeah so that's, that's the time where I went, okay. That's, that was pretty crazy. Although, you know, I kind of expect my players to run full speed into a brick wall, hoping it'll be an illusion. <laughs> we were talking a, about traumatized a players. They about traumatized games yeah, I'm like, of course they ran. Of course that's what they did. Don't you know what player characters do? <laughs> yeah, don't don't slow
2: down, stop, and check it out. Now, full speed ahead <laughs> into the brick wall. That's what I'm
1: saying. Like they they kind of had figured out because I had the illusion he kept he had the same program responses. So in essence, he was your Skyrim NPC guy, right? He only had so many dialogue trees. So they were like, oh, this guy is—he's not real. So there's something else going on here. So yeah, I thought, okay, they'll probably like try to figure some stuff out. They'll detect magic. They'll do so. No, nope. fucking floor it. Just go. <laughs> but that's very much that uh how that party played. So.
2: Yeah, if that was second edition, you could have TPK'd everybody, including the Bronco, very easily. You
0: either could have like just driven the Bronco straight through the year of annihilation. Deck saves and you die. <laughs> Well, uh, yeah. you know,
1: I mean, I just I talked for a while there. I'll just I'll back it up with my with my second one, just because I gave you guys the whole background of uh of kind of that that campaign. Right. So it's kind of this modern day D&D thing, the Swords of Shannar or whatever. Right. So I get them into the Pine Barrens and there's a whole lot of stuff. If you check weird New Jersey, the magazine or anything, there's I want whole- to see this setting. I want to see the weird New
0: Jersey D&D setting.
1: It's cool. It was actually pretty cool. I had a lot of fun building it because I just got, like, a lot of weird encounters. Some of them were just flavor, and some were actually uh, things. Like, one thing I brought them to was the blue hole. And the blue hole myth in the Pine Barrens is that when you go into the pines at certain points, people have found this blue hole. So it's this lake that's like this crystal clear blue water, and it's like ice cold to the touch. And anyone who gets in it, like they don't come out. And if you come near it, like if you didn't you didn't get in, but like you and your girlfriend went or something, right? And she's got lost and you run, you come out of the pines and people find you, and you have white hair and you don't know what happened to you. So I'm like, oh, this is some cool, like bottomless pit confusion spell lake, right? So that's literally what I built it at. I built it as a confusion spell. And it's bottomless. It goes down nowhere, right? So again, like the fountain, you come in the woods to this crystal clear lake that's cold to the touch, even though it's like, what, summertime or whatever, right? So this is weird. And one of the characters, I think, fell under the confusion spell. So they can obviously see that something's going on here. So what does uh, Jake's character do, Bonnie's nephew, who was the DM of it, and now he's getting to play? Uh, his first character of the two or three night campaign, he played two characters in like two or three nights. Uh,
0: that tells us something about that tells us something about how he played. Oh yeah, he
1: cannonballs into the lake, and I'm like, oh, okay, and I have him, you know, roll his wisdom saves, and I think he's making his wisdom saves generally, and they are trying to. Uh, the one character is water walking. He's trying to pull him up with this rope. Jake's not taking it. He decides to swim down because he wants to see what's at the bottom. Mm-hmm. And every round I say, there's nothing that you don't hit bottom. There's, there seems to be no bottom. And he goes, okay, I keep swimming. And I'm like, okay, there's, the, and like at some point I couldn't do it anymore. And I'm like, okay, well, you ran out of air and now you're dead. So, and he's like, okay, cool. I just wanted to see if there was a bottom. I was like, there, there was no bottom. <laughs> But you know, and I was like, oh, okay, so he had to roll up a new character that we had to get in for the climax.
0: All right, the lost soul, New Jersey. Jeez. Well, yeah, I think that happens pretty frequently in Jersey. I mean. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, Jersey is a great thing. You want some cool D and D
1: stuff? Man, just look up New Jersey. You know, like I made Mother I made her a pain witch, which is a, was a pretty cool homebrew thing that I found.
2: She definitely for out of the box.
1: Yeah, it's really it's cool. It's cool. I found it. It's it's called. I don't know. You could probably find Painwitch Five e You guys can Google it out. It's pretty cool. It's it's creepy. They kicked her ass, but you
2: know,
1: she was creepy <laughs> enough.
2: Yes, the, the, you have a creepy down to a science in Ravenloft. That's for sure. Oh, uh, well, that's yeah. This is written for it, man.
0: Yeah. All right, Tony. So, what about you? What are some? I have been in some of your games where players pull some crazy stunts. Like, I remember being in your games where we did something where, okay, the players had sword, you know, a uh, Vorpal sword. And the idea was a Vorpal sword can cut through anything, right? Yeah, sure. And we were getting pelted by Goblin arrow fire, or Orc arrow fly- fire or something. And we're like, okay, they can cut through anything? We carve rock shields out of the rock and just, <laughs> and just move forward behind the rampart, behind these... palace palace style shields until we get close enough to just whack them. Uh, That was something I remember doing in your games. I'm sure you remember some other good ones. Actually, that that spewed the whole debate there.
2: How sharp is a plus one sword? Is it sharper than a regular steel sword or is it like a lightsaber? And we'll never get to the bottom of that discussion.
0: Well, that was a Um, Vorpal. That was specifically a Vorpal sword. That was the deal. Supposedly, the way you the way we were doing it, a Vorpal sword could cut through anything like a lightsaber and that was why
1: it was Wolverine's claws. It was Wolverine's yeah. <laughs> claws. Yeah. In my games, a, awesome a plus one
0: sword, sword doesn't cut all that much better. You mean, it's just Maybe it's better at getting through gaps. You're not cutting rock with a plus one sword. It
2: cuts
1: w- plus one
2: better. <laughs> right. <laughs> so. I remember uh, this is the game that you played in. I'll lead off with this. Mm-hmm. We were all about seventh or eighth level at the time. And we had just finished the, the module that had hit it got all our treasure together, and the party came across an Ifrit. And the Ifrit had a magical item selection. And one of the items, it was a whole selection of things you could buy. And on that list was a deck of many things. Now, that was only attainable if everybody pulled all their money, which they did. So everybody, they decided they're all, you know, going to buy this deck of many things. All this crazy stuff's going to happen. And Thorne's character, Gort the mage, pulled three wishes.
0: And well, there's wait, some wait, wait. Gort backstory with a T Nort that Gort. was it was a Gort. gnome wild mage second edition Nort spell spillslinger. slinger. he was a wild mage and oh. the deal in second edition was a wild mage had a fifty percent chance to control the outcome of a random magic item like a wand like a, a wand of wonder or a deck of many things so the backstory oh, here is Nort at his creation. His whole goal was to get to a deck of many things and get his wishes. <laughs> With order. that said, um, and I'm going to paraphrase here. You got three wishes
2: and your wishes were to know every spell to have the ability to cast every spell and to never run out of magical energy from casting spells. Yes. And yes. So I have to tell you, oh that's my what God. Saying. Yeah. So usually I just want to backstory this too. My players traditionally like to wish for ability store boosts. They ask for cool items and stuff. Well, this is different, so here we are. I was not expecting how to field this. Um, My resolution... (laughs) Was to turn Thorn into a talking book that could cast every spell with his face on the cover, and one of the and one of the other mages had to carry him around and search through him <laughs> to look for spells. And um, but I mean, you gotta realize they're like level seven and eight, and he's
0: she's like, okay, I'm gonna cast Horrid Wilting. But the downside was Thorn was a book. I didn't think I don't think we were level seven. Or, I think we were a higher level than that. We weren't twenty though. Like we weren't like oh, at, like epic tiers. No. No, we were no, in the no. middle. We might have been like eleven or twelve or something. I think we were at least nine. Um, now the deal with this was they have to understand. Nort was a wild mage in the and he was basically a magical version of a pyromaniac. He just wanted to see the magic. He just wanted. To, he just wanted to see to to let the magic loose and watch it dance. That's, That's all very gnomish. Nort that is very wanted gnomish. to do. Like yeah. he was obsessed with just letting the magic go free. Um and it was really cool cuz I, I was able to Tony did let me come in with a wand of wonder in part because this was my second character and my first character had been a bard who was unceremoniously gunned down by the terrible <laughs> critical <laughs> miss roll
2: <laughs> I love that
0: Friends, that longer. critical miss chart man <laughs> So I came, so so Tony, so Tony was cool and he let me find a wand of wonder pretty early, which was neat because the wand of wonder within a in a second edition wild mage's hands by the book wand of wonder lets you cast any spell you know fifty percent. So you got a 50, 50 roll. If you make your fifty, you cast the spell without using a slot. If you don't you get a random roll off of the uh, wild search table. So this guy was already crazy. This guy's already going out there like, all right, let's see if I can catch another fireball. Nope, we enlarged the dragon, which happened. (laughs) This happened.
1: (laughs) uh, Oh, no, you're a potted plant now for a round. Yeah, yeah,
0: (laughs) yeah. The second edition wild magic table. But I knew, like, I actually had set up that, set of wishes because i knew he he would have a 50 50 chance of getting to being able to call his card so i knew i wanted to come in take three wishes because that pretty much guarantees i'll get the wish card because i only need one of those to come up in my favor that i can go pick the card i want and that was his thing from the beginning i want to be able to know all the magic to cast all the magic and have all the power to, to and to be able to power all the magic Now this went a little, so here's the thing we talk about every table is different and every set of people is different to me with that character. This was an entirely reasonable set of three wishes. I asked them off the cuff that night. I was like, no, I already know what I'm doing, Tony. Here's what it is. Half the players get pissed at me for this wish for reasons. I don't understand. I still don't understand. Tony goes back. He actually didn't DM. He didn't adjudicate it that night, which makes sense. It was at the end of the night. I was like, all right, let's see what he does with that. And then he goes, he apparently meets with the Council of DMs and comes up with a spellbook solution, which I don't mind in principle, but I do mind because it didn't meet the criteria of the wishes. Who, uh, also is, that, who is the Council of DMs?
2: Mm, n- none of them came back with that idea. That was absolutely my idea, to be fair.
0: What was clear was at least one of them was in the game and they basically, and these are guys who've been gaming since they were teenagers. And there's a lot of group thing. There's a lot of, we see this all the same way. And I'm kind of came in a little bit outside. So I tend to see things differently. And there was a bit of, okay, let's get together with everyone who sees things the same way I do. And they're all like, you should kill his character. You should take his character sheet. Uh, some of which was expressed at the game. It's like people were actually like, oh man, I can't believe it did that their wishes yeah what else are you supposed to do you know, i'm supposed to wish for to, to be strongest that's not what that character is so i was expecting a i was expecting some some dming way to work around it the book struck me as not quite satisfying the letter of it and then you took the book away after like one after like two sessions <laughs> I I thought you might want feedback. I don't know. Wait, so you got turned into a
1: book, and then you yeah. couldn't, and so, then you couldn't, you couldn't even, you you didn't finish that uh,
0: that that no, no, tear out. A, or?
2: No, no, he was a book for an entire game, and
0: so the deal with the book oh. was I could cast any spell only once. Okay. So so I it had every spell in it, but I, I could only cast any spell from it once, and then that page was gone.
1: Gotcha. Okay. So okay,
0: that's how the book works. And, and then, you yeah, also. Did
1: you also play the mage that had to carry you around?
0: No. No, that oh. was a different character. No. <laughs> was that a mage even? I think someone carried me around. I don't no, remember. no, I don't think-
2: that was Shan's character, and she carried you around that
0: game and kept oh, looking three right. for spells.
2: Oh, Christ.
0: Oh, Christ. <laughs> but no, the, uh, what was it? The Great Lawful Authority. Who was it who came and got the book and had me, and basically said, look, you got to turn back? Primus. Primus. But you didn't Primus. know it was Primus in the time. Not the band. I mean,
2: if you if you would like to have stayed a book, I mean, I I, I wouldn't have strong armed you back into you
0: know being a biped. Actually, I believe I did say I wanted to stay a book. <laughs> it was it was either you have to go back to this or you're or, or or you're gone from the game, as I remember. Now you weren't letting him stick around. Let's put as, this as a, into a
1: timeline though. Where, where did this land in terms of then Tony's character turning into a larval mage, a giant uh, pile of a bugs. Interesting. It was after. It was Wait, after. so the book was after the undead bugs? Uh, yes. And
0: oh. I'd oh, rather I, be a book I than a pile one. of undead bugs. I wonder if that a pile of I undead bugs could look. at least could at least move itself and look <laughs> human. <laughs> the book, the book did have more magical power. You, you
1: did. That's a, that's, yeah. an ex, that's a huge amount of power. Yeah, that's that's pretty huge.
2: So I, I, I mean, honestly, in that book, let me like, if we're talking about what like, what did having all the spells in my campaign world look like? Well, let me tell you, you would have had all the spells from Alquedim, Birthrate, Dark Sun, Dragonlance, Karatar Planescape, Ravenloft, Savage Land, Spelljammers, and all the custom spells. And not to mention all the PHB and Tome of Magic spells. Yeah, you, had like lot, hu- you had
0: hundreds of spells. I, really I threw a lot of them. I remember I was, I was pulling I was pulling up all the wacky spells I could when I had that ability. I was like, what can I find here? And I, I do believe, I
2: think you said it right, your character definitely expected to resolve differently. However, as a player, that that would have then put you... Yeah, I, I honestly even know how I could have resolved that with huge thing of the campaign. Well, know, it's right. what I, isn't that
1: kind of one of the issues with because I know a lot of people get myth because they kind of turned wish the volume down on it, especially mm. with the this edition now. And kind of in that way, right? Because some wishes like you just don't even know how to, you know, because I'm not I, I want to be
2: the world's most powerful sorcerer.
1: No, I don't know how to, you know, I don't think like an archfey would do if they were granting something like that or something. So like you're trying to do it within like the world you built, and I could see how that could completely just explode everything, right? I, I would have done
0: something. They're... I would have done something that I felt was more followed the letter of the wish a little better without actually giving all that power. What does that actually look like? Um I probably would have given the character knowledge of all the spells without normal ability to cast all the spells. So what that would mean is when you hit a level, he'd probably get all the spells in the level. You know, so so he would already know all the spells because that's not that big a deal. I don't think in second edition, you know, everything in your level fine, and then maybe open up something where there's a way through wild magic to cast anything at like any level, but not a reliable way. You know what I mean? Like I probably would have worked off the wand of wonder in some way to be like, okay, so here's your level. You can try to cast a spell above that level, but for each level higher, you've only got a you know you you, you start at like a 50 or like a or like a. It, like a 70 30 percent chance to cast it and for every level higher it gets worse and worse and worse and worse so like at eighth level you could cast ninth level spells but at you know when you're when you're when you're at i mean at eighth spell level but when you're accessing like fourth level spells well you pretty much have no chance to successfully cast that magic and then have some weird wacky wild magic thing go off i would have suggested something like that if you had talked to me about it you didn't you went and you talked to other people about it and then came back and told me where you're a circle go. of eight. He talked to yeah. Morgan
2: Kane and, and Morgan
0: Caines, I like, kill that fool. I'm like easy <laughs> <laughs> Morgan. <laughs> but but here's the problem. So it's like okay, the DM. So like I do something the DM's not expecting in a room full of people. Who kind of see things the way that the, in, in a kind of a similar way about how D and D works. So I'm bringing an idea from the from like a different angle. But then the the, the kind of then then the decision gets made among people who all see D and D in this kind of same way, and it kind of just comes back. And I don't have any kind of like I don't get to negotiate it. I don't get to talk about it, which was very different from what Tony expected when he decided he wanted to wish his. His wizard into being a storm giant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, then again, You're there were in there was my gap between our games 7. that
2: I could have like taken taken a college class in between those games.
0: Got <laughs> it wasn't credits. just the length of time. It was like you expected to be able to have input on how that came out. I mean, that was totally different from how you handled it when I did it. Well, let's be clear.
2: You also said I'm handling this, and this is how I say this is going to happen is so how it's going to happen. And I'm like, well, and that's, you kept that's right. lobbying. <laughs> Well, I mean, here's the thing. I did not see a way to resolve that, and I'm so I'm trying to get across. So you asked for literally, I mean, all the spells. What's the gold mm-hmm. piece value attached to that? Like, is does this could could this witch get you that many gold pieces versus with all the magic? And my short answer is no. So you couldn't get all the magic. Also, you certainly couldn't comprehend all the magic without going So, You didn't use any of this magic to protect your brain or your form in this. Mm-hmm. Like, your head should have weighed the size of my couch. Um, you were about 10 levels shy in 2nd edition of casting ninth level spells, which couldn't have given you 10 levels, even all three of them. And as far as unlimited spell casting, it didn't function with within the model of my universe. Even the goddess of magic in my universe would eventually run out of spells so that that's kind of where the, i the will say hit. i i will say i mean i don't
1: i haven't been uh you know you guys have way more experience with it in this way but i i can see it's hard sometimes when and i don't even fuck with this deck of many you guys love to fuck with this deck of oh
2: no i'm I, done I'm, I'm just,
1: <laughs> like you guys just keep like just playing russian roulette with this thing but um yeah i think for me, it can be hard sometimes because, like, the way I see with with stuff like that and where I think, like, the fantastical nature is awesome um, and totally in character because that is a very gnomish thing. Like, that really is, like, literally, like what a gnome is kind of built as archetypally right is it, just like
0: let it go i want to see the wonder of it right even even beyond um, the race that's what this particular character was built right like right. from the so beginning he, like that yeah, was like well, i said this was exactly. this had been a plan for him he this, is, right. this was his great dream this was his dream coming true yeah but to uh but i can see
1: too that you know especially in you know when you're talking about a group setting like that barring the the whatever, the politicking and stuff within the, the the group itself, but just within the game world that all of a sudden, like Thor, like you were saying, when some of these people, if they grabbed, you know, the 50,000 XP and all of a sudden you got a level nine rogue with a bunch of level fours that can really start to throw off the balance of the game, just because now that person has nothing to fear whatsoever, or everyone else has everything to fear because, of the level of, of, of challenge and difficulty that you're bringing to to now having to bring up one character or two out of four or six, right? See, it's hard sometimes to make, like, these kind of, these, these like, crafted, like, well, how, how would
0: that happen? Well, you know, I think that's fair, and I certainly expected the DM to, to figure out a way to meet all those requirements. Because that's how I handle it when I DM. There's limits on what it'll do. I'm going to figure it out within the balance of what we're doing here. You know, the thing I really kind of, we had a converse, we had a we had an episode not long ago where we talked about kind of how do you DM these crazy things. And one of the points that came up was go talk to other DMs and find out what they would do with it. And I pointed out, well, that's not always a great idea because one, you wind up in groupthink. And two, you wind up cutting out a player, especially if other players are involved in that. And this is really kind of the type case for that because this is something where I did something cool for my character. I did something ink. It wasn't like it was metagaming. It wasn't like this was like, you know, just trying to min-max. This was playing the character and doing something very in character. Right, like the goal. Yeah. Right. But the way it was adjudicated was the you know the DM going, talking to, you know, not involving me in the conversation. Kind of basically, I was basically frozen out like I had done something wrong. And then also like one of the dudes in the game, two of the dudes in the game, I think was involved in that conversation. So the DM, other players at the table and other players from the group who weren't in the game talked about how to handle this and came and handed it down. Like, it's almost like, you know, so it's like, it's like kind of just kind of getting a sentence handed to you instead of being part of the game. And that part, was definitely not fun. And it's actually why I push away from the idea that you should go talk outside your game to uh, to like other DMs on what to do instead of to the player who you're working with. Because that was definitely an alienating experience. That part of that, I think... You know, that kind of created a negative experience for me. You know, I would have, I was open to anything, but I th- I wanted to at least be involved in it in some way, especially if other people were involved. In it. Like, it was just a DM saying here, so I'm going to roll it fine. But if it's other people, including people in the game, coming down and working together to tell me what happens to my character. In that kind of situation, I don't think that's the best way to handle it. You know, I I think they gave me me their input, which I didn't take.
2: I I mean, to be very, very blunt. I mean, one said, like, I should make you like an angel and you work in like the outer planes now with all that power. And the other one's like he explodes. And I'm like, okay, thanks for your input. I mean, that's where that went. But but that did need a
0: level of response. Because that fed a level of response that you were – that in that conversation, you confirmed with the other people who you were talking to that this was a ridiculous thing to ask for. Whereas if you had talked to me about it, I would have talked about how to make it reasonable and how to fit it into what you wanted to do. And those it, are, that's a different well, thing. You didn't look for that feedback. You looked for the kind of the, oh, yeah, no, this is ridiculous. Do whatever it, you want feedback.
2: It was pretty out there. I mean if it, I asked for the I strength wish. of Atlas – yeah, I asked for the strike the atlas. What are you gonna do? Give me half the strike the atlas? So I can't lift the earth. I can lift Florida and I'll still be in the game. It'll be fine. Like come on. Well, I think oh, too.
1: I, I don't I don't think that that's necessarily um I, I can hear the where the you know, maybe some of the agency and things like that. Um and you get a little myth. But with that too, I think especially uh the old editions where wish literally meant whatever the fuck you want to come up with, right? Mm. Um that uh that's kind of the nature, I mean, in all mythology, that's kind of the nature of Wish, too, that, like, it doesn't really ever turn out the way you really wanted it to. You know, there's always some sort of catch of, like, either the wording of it or whatever it is. Like, uh, what was that movie with Brendan Fraser and Elizabeth? Um,
2: oh, well, it with the devil.
1: But, but de- uh, yeah. Uh, is, it, is it bedeviled? The deviled, I think, right? The devil, or be and devil, like devil, he maybe? keeps, like he keeps saying, like, oh, I want this, and then like he wakes up and he's he has all of it, and then this, right? <laughs> and that, so yeah, he's yeah. a drug dealer now. Yeah, right. Whatever it might be. But. I
0: would have taken being a magic dealer. That could have worked. All I right, right,
1: how about you, Thor? You haven't you haven't shared one of these yet.
0: Well, so I guess let's flip it around because this this. You know, I think if we're talking about takeaways for the DMs listening, what this really comes down to is how do you adjudicate what is a really, you know, if you offer a wish, you put a deck of many things out there, or a genie, Tony just put a genie out there in one of his games where he tried very hard to keep us away from his magic lamp, but we kept poking until we got that magic lamp. We can probably come to that next, actually. But uh, Tony, so let's talk about the other wish. And and it's really, uh, you know, Tony had asked, had said that he wanted to get all the power of a storm giant with none of the strength and none of the drawbacks. Is that, am I remembering correctly Tony for that wish? Um, it was, I, I bullproof
2: that fucker. Uh, <laughs> now that w- that read like a legalese document I'm like subtext B I shall not have the appetite of a storm giant And shall not have to consume Nine barrels of cod every morning
0: Well, well for, for for the record I only listened to so much of it Because I do think I don't think you can let wishes be multiple sentences I think you need to limit a wish to like one sentence I wish for this And that was the part where I stopped listening <laughs> But at the same time, you, did, you wished for the power of the storm giant without the basically without the without without the all the size and kind of drawbacks of living like a storm giant. You wished you wished for the power of a storm giant in basically a, a uh, mortal Erasmus's body. So what I did at that point was, I mean, obviously I wasn't you know I could turn Erasmus into a stone giant into a storm giant. I considered that. He had asked not to be that form, which means I'm in a different place as far as how I'm going to handle this. I would put kicked a lot of asses storm giant.
1: Oh my god! Crazy.
0: Yeah, but how do you get in places? You know, you're not you're never going into a dungeon again. Maybe you know some magic that gets around it. I don't know. Maybe the storm Maybe the storm giant ordning comes and tells you, no, 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 we can't have a storm giant running around. You got to come come park yourself. You got to give it up or park yourself in the uh, at, at the at, at the storm giant tower. You know, kind of like he did with Norton. Well, I think that's kind of what happened to my character. Let the life record stand. Well, it's only because the game broke up. But what I did there, so and I think this is a really tricky thing because you're trying to DM a wish where the player has asked for something that is not bounded by level. However, your campaign is still bounded by level. Wish Mm -hmm. is also bounded in its power, especially in fifth edition, which is they can ask for, they can cast any eighth level spell they want. no problem the 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 rulebook says if they're going to do anything higher than that any reality alter reality altering things the dm has free reign and it might blow out your ability to use wishes i wasn't going i mean from the deck i wasn't going to make him lose his ability to use wishes that wasn't going to happen what i did though was i took a look at kind of what were equivalent powers both on the storm giant and on Cassidus and for other spells at that level. So I took the Storm Giant template. We gave Cassidus. I made him tall, but just shy of large. So he's big enough at the time. Is he large now? Maybe I didn't. Uh, make, he, no, he he's large. Yeah, he's he, 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 he
2: tall. Yeah, he's yeah. over an eye feet tall you
0: But he didn't get like Storm Giant big. He got big enough where he was like taking up extra room, but he could still adventure with his party. Yes. Uh, which I felt like was still was still a good way to do that. He got all he got the immunity Storm Giants have. They weren't game breaking. And it wasn't really I took a close look at them like this isn't going to come up. This is fine. Uh, it'll come up some but I don't mind like it's like that won't be a big deal if he's allergic to if he's if he's <laughs> immune to lightning in that situation because it's what immune to lightning and immune to cold I think thunder thunder. And uh, he's also, I think, amphibious. He can breathe on the water now. That's, I'm, yeah, he's I'm got some nice flavor abilities. Yeah, he had the ability to throw rocks, the big fist punches, and the ability to throw lightning. So, and that's where things could potentially get dangerous. And also the amount, I also the amount of hit points I gave, I gave it to, I gave to, uh, to, to Erasmus, and kind of the other kind of benefits. Like I think I did boost his strength some. I didn't boost it all the way up to a storm giant, but I boosted it like up to like a twenty one. But Erasmus was a wizard. So I wasn't too worried about the wizard with a 20, 21, or maybe even, was it 21 or 23? Uh, It started as a 21. So, you know, we took the power up, but I did it in ways where I benchmarked it against other spells. So, for instance, I took the lightning ability, and I made it a little bit better than fireball. So I'm like, okay, like, once per short rest, or actually, I think it was once per long rest, he can throw effectively a lightning fireball that does, like, 8d8 instead of 8d6. Yeah, it's a little bit bit of extra damage, but it's not enough that's going to swing the game. And also, effectively, is an extra fireball for him, but I was okay with that. I gave him the stones, keeping in mind he was a wizard. And the stones do, I think, 2d6 plus strength bonus, or maybe 3d6. They're... Big, But they're not so big that I consider them game altering. Also, he needs to find a pretty big stone so I could control the number of stones he could use. So in this way, we're letting him build the storm giant character he wants to build, but we're making sure we're benchmarking all of the abilities in it so they don't break anything and they won't totally overshadow anybody else. Yeah, he'll be able to punch pretty good for a wizard. He'll have high strength for a wizard. He'll have high con for a wizard. But he's still a wizard in all his classes. He still has his spells. The stone throwing is nice, but I can always say you can't find any stones. And I'll figure I'll let him have like one to six stones at a time, so he's not going to go out there and be throwing like I'm throwing 30 stones. You know, if that comes up, he just won't be able to find any stones that are the right size. I can then limit, I can control that that way. I don't mind if the wizard steps up front and starts fighting. We were actually short on uh on tanks in this game. So having a the wizard being able to tank a little bit was a good thing. I and, mean hell uh,
1: my bard is a frontline fighter now, right? So yeah. Why not? Erasmus, <laughs> Erasmus what this giant stepped, monkey? Yeah, yeah Erasmus
0: has stepped into Tony's game uh in, in the Storm Kings Thunder, as his DM P C. So so he's still Tony's also playing with Erasmus. And I don't think he doesn't he's not coming off as any as, as broken to you, is he Tony? No.
2: Not, not uh, honestly. Yeah, exactly. Like I looked at that whole list of stuff you gave me at the time and I'm like, wow, like this is fantastic but when am i gonna hit with thunder N- never <laughs> <laughs> but it really I, I felt the way you did it really conformed to what a storm giant does without being either underwhelming or game-breaking or <laughs> so that was solid thanks yeah no, i think you did a really good job with that
0: the way i got there was through benchmarking like i spent time looking at okay so they're at this level at this level what are the spells they have like they were they were high enough level to be casting the third level spells of so fireball lightning bolt and i basically gave so he basically has a slightly amped up electrical fireball is what that comes down to mm. um so it's all it's all benchmarking it was all double checking okay if i give him this how does that compare to the other spells and abilities available is it going to be like twice as good as anything is it going to be happening too frequently and then toning down how often he could do it to match what would fit with the way the system worked
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's really similar to Thor, uh, just with the way I I like when you break down that we've talked about this in previous episodes, too, you know, especially with like monster races and stuff. I dig that um, because it's really it's a really great way to 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 be able to get into some of that stuff without it being uh, too much. Right. Or breaking it. But uh, it reminds me of kind of how we're playing with Hawk now, too. Mm -hmm. Where he wanted to, you know, you guys all know, he wanted to wrestle and, and all of this. So I just went back to the PHB and I literally looked at similar types of things and built it off of that. Instead of trying to just create this whole thing myself, I just built it off things that already exist within the game. So I already know that they are within the bounded accuracy, right? They're already within the realm of possibility, Uh, You know, if he had multi-classed or or anything like this, there are ways that he could have, you know, gotten Monk abilities to strike unarmed. There are ways he could have gotten abilities to, you know, uh, grapple better and and whatnot. Um, So if anything, I think it's just a little bit more flavor. Um, And then it becomes pretty easy to adjudicate during the game. Like, for instance, I think it was crazy in an awesome way. Uh, when Hawk decided to leap out of Baba Lysaga's hut onto her flying ship, get her in a clinch, and then literally powerbomb her off of the top rope down <laughs> to the ground. That's literally what happened the whole time. I mean, that
2: was this, a heated
1: fight. This needs to happen. And fight. he literally, like, straight up bomb
2: like, the Dudley brothers. He put her ass through a fucking table match. Like... <laughs> and i'm glad that worked out we can laugh about it now but the rogue was down the cleric was down i'm pretty sure the artificer was down or mortally wounded or
0: had been down yeah it it was warm in there the rogue actually got the the rogue was up at that point because she actually got the killing blow right after you did it like you have a cyber on the ground the rogue like like leaps up and drives drives a knife into her heart good enough yeah, but yeah, I think when he just resurrect- up- like I think she had been revived in like yeah. between those two mm-hmm. turns. It was it was very close. But then so- it becomes
1: very easy to to you know, well, how do you want to
0: do this? Well then it's kinda
1: already there, you know, if you if you kinda backed into it in a way.
2: That's one thing that I actually really appreciate with five E, because there was no CRs, no bounded accuracy, and as much as I kind of look at the wish spell now and groan and go, I can't even reproduce a ninth level spell with it. At the same time, it provides a lot better structure. Yeah. So you don't have guys just using, like, well, I have a wish. You could do something really cool with it, absolutely. The DM really does have a caveat there, but it's
0: not the reality stone.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Right, right.
0: Well, well there, there is the ability, but you're, the DM is specifically given more control over it, and there's player risk involved. Because they're basically trying to make wish something that is an effectively playable knife-level spell. Is what it comes down to.
1: Yeah, that you could come across in, you know, when you're not ready for it, too.
2: (laughs) In one of my earlier games, this is before uh, Thorne did that, the party wizard in a different deck pulled four wishes. So we all had Gethanki sword fragments. And one of the big quests was to find all these sword fragments and, and forge it. Well, he used one wish to get all the fragments, then he used a wish to reassemble the sword and then he used his last two wishes to make two copies of the sword So <laughs> all
0: party warriors had a gift sword i'm like well we just shit the bed here okay but you see that is where i would have gone okay the you're know, getting the fragments it tells you that you know exactly where each fragment is. You still got to go travel and get them. I wish them right here. The wish does not have that power. That's probably how I would have handled it. Or i would have brought one. Like, it would have been like one wish per fragment to slow them down a little bit. Because even wishes have some kind of limit on their power,
2: right? That's true. That's true. But, I mean, to get all the remaining fragments for wish to wish that they were all there, eh, I mean... And was not really game breaking? It was, it was, everybody had Wolverine Claw Swords. I
0: mean, <laughs> well, <go> to the <laughs> end game. we're in the end game now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I will say the one, the cool thing that we, after the book incident with Nort, Uh, so we did the book, we went to the, uh, we went to the other, to, 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 to Primus's world of Modron, I believe it was, you know, okay. We went through the change. He came out with the ability to learn. I think it was any one spell or, or, or it might've been two spells per session. So he was at least able to increase his spell access. Where at the end of every adventure, he was able to go find a spell, even if it was in like some weird spell book. And that was still in the word we were using and pull out the spell and use the spell. And I think I did pull out at least one of the, fa- uh, what was it? What are the name of those? The the, the, the things from Forgotten Realms, the Phaedron? No. Um, oh
2: yeah, I, that's right. Now, Ferrum. I let you have a yeah. Ferrum spell.
0: And it was pretty ridiculous. Actually. I did pull out a Ferrum spell. He wouldn't let me get the Ferrum heal, <laughs> which is what I had wanted. But... Oh my God. It's like, why do I need a cleric if you got that spell? <laughs> exactly.
1: Wait, what is it? Uh, fill me in here? What is the Therum?
0: That's true. We should okay. So the Therum are these uh, they're creatures in Forgotten Realms that are I don't know their background necessarily, but they are basically like these like uh, ancient things, ancient be uh, creatures of magic with mm-hmm. ridiculously advanced spells. So like they literally have a wizard spell version of heal, at like yeah. as like a fourth level spell. Yeah, okay. they make a, a lich look like a parrot. Yeah, okay. and there these, they're these—they're essentially—I don't—they're almost like the elder things of magic. Like if you think of like like kind of these kind of great elder powers, but the magical in nature. Uh, and they they had their own civilization a long time ago. Now there's like ruins around, and they occasionally the pharaoh you might you might run into one like in a in a, in a deep under underneath a dungeon somewhere. Okay. But their magic is ridiculous, and yeah. So he so I, I was I have that book floating around. I think it was the Magic of Myth Drannor is the name of the book. Right. Well, what about some craziness that wasn't wish inspired? Yeah, we've gone through that. Hey, you, Dave. I think we're back to you this time.
1: Oh well, I mean, again, like it's. It kind of goes back to uh, sometimes it's, I I just say, oh, that's that's just D&D, you know. But, you know, when uh, Bonnie brought up the thing, she's like, oh, well, what about when uh, Thorne's character, he dropped the Hunger Hadar in the first room, and then the cleric dropped Dawn in the middle of another room, having to make everyone make saves on it, you know, meanwhile annihilating all the enemies. Uh, and then she had to leap over to get, and and I was like, well, yeah, but that's just D&D. That's not, like, craziness, even though it kind of is, right? But it's the craziness that just is inherent in the game, and that's kind of what's hard to, like, to separate out. There are some things that absolutely, right, they ride right on top, and they kind of always will, but so many things happen, and I feel like I forgot more than I remember, uh, because that's literally every game something is happening that makes me go, uh you can, you know, like yeah, do the Matt Mercer thing, you know, you can certainly try, you know. Cause oh, sure, let's let's see what happens, you know? Like what you guys are doing currently, you know, as I as I bring the listeners along on the uh, on our trip through Barovia, you know, you guys now are inside the creeping hut that is no longer creeping. And then Thorne goes like hey, I think maybe we could try to make the thing creep again. You know, so they literally have a walking fortress. And I go, huh, well, I, uh, yeah, she's going to look into that so that I now have, you know, some time in between to be like, okay, how do I want to, like, how do I want to build this? Because it's it's not something that's just, oh, well, you do it this way. And everyone would have their different idea. And, you know, do you, wanna, you want something that is um, enjoyable and kind of, like, feeds the the players when they you you want to you want to reward them for thinking outside the box and for thinking of cool stuff and you want them to do that but then you don't want to do so much that like you start breeding terasks at some point too you know mm-hmm. so it's always that that balance between okay i want to give them cool stuff but if i give them too much cool stuff then like the rest of the thing is not necessarily going to be as enjoyable maybe who knows? Let's find out. You know, <laughs> tune in next week as we continue on the uh, <laughs> the insanity that is whatever that group wants to call themselves.
0: That is that is what the uh, I don't know what we're called in that group. Nothing it, uh, yet.
1: Nothing yet. I, I Somebody brought that up idea. at one point on a I saw a post or something. They're like, does everybody have a name of their group and this stuff. And I'm like, eh, you know, you don't have to. You know,
0: sometimes they just come about. You know, not everyone I, has a name. So I, that was definitely, and I do think we should get that. I 100% believe. <laughs> really? Since it was your idea, you feel yeah. that that should happen? <laughs> Phineas has the heart of the hut. We just need to plug that back in, and the hut will follow our commands. That's the last yeah. thing that's working. As soon as we find its her key fob, we got this. We'll drive it right around. <laughs> even, if, even if it loses, the thing is, I think it's one of those things where even if it loses the ability to attack, I still think it's pretty cool. You're not know, going to understand. Those attacks are pretty ridiculous. I don't know if we should be getting that level of artillery out of our carriage, but I just think, you know, I want to walk around Barovia in Baba Lasaka's hut. Let's see how, how Strahd feels about that. Oh, no, I totally
1: get where you're going Like, Yeah, I'm just, I'm seeing how, where we're going to go with it. I, that's
2: all. So one of the, uh, the, in, sausage. in the uh, earlier editions, uh, we kind of determined success or how things would work out in terms of magic was the quality and degree of smoke opponents. And I have to apologize because a lot of the names I use are either duplicated or very similar. So this wizard was Thomas the Mad, not to be confused with Sir Thomas. <laughs> so with that out of the, with that out of the way, um, he got extreme. It was a high level mage at this point. We're talking like level thirty in, in first edition, and uh, he had a fighter buddy with a who was comparable level, and he just sent him around the earth, and he he pulled a rocket raccoon. Uh, 20 years before that happened. <laughs> and uh, he's like, go get me that ancient dragon's eye. Go get me that giant lord's heart. And he just went on this epic spell component chase. And what he decided to make was an, a, magi- a one-shot magical item. And he called this, Dave may appreciate this, the power broker. So <laughs> he put all of these... Extremely high-profile, high-end, echelon components together, and tied them to their appropriate dimensional uh, planes. Where like the fire, uh, like the Red Dragon's eye would pull the fire world, while the Giant's heart would pull from like the elemental plane of frost. And so the fighter, who was a a jack, he was dumb as a brick and a drunk, is like, "So what are we gonna do with all this now?" And he's like, "You're gonna get in the machine." And he's like, OK. And he got in there and he set this thing off. I didn't know how this ended. He, he did some crazy rolls and the fighter became preposterously. If he wasn't overpowered enough at 30th level, that that was a um, that that was a real shooting the moon kind of moment. <laughs> and he was like, so how do you feel? And he's like, indubitably, I feel fantastic now because I have a 21 intelligence. And um, It's he, elementary. Yes, no, and he—he uh, he, that for all the times we talk about, um, he—he wasn't deified from that, but he made another player character essentially. He might as well have been, um, from crazy magic item component stacking. But uh, well, that's a really cool. That was outrageous.
1: That's a cool idea, and I think it's something that's so cool from especially the earlier editions because there was that that level of freedom, uh, but. You see it as it comes forward now into now these editions, where you have things like Melf's acid arrow, right? As a spell. Melf was Gyak's character. That was his yep. magic elf, right? His magic user elf, so Melf. And created this acid arrow He's or tensors. Tedious. Yeah, tensor's floating disc or Tasha's hideous laughter, right? These were all like earlier players that developed mm. some sort of spell. And I would I would really kind of be into seeing uh, with the right player who was like playing like a wizard or something like and they wanted to build new magic. They wanted to because that's kind of what a wizard does, right? Crafts these things Mm -hmm. Um, and to, to see where that could go, you know, and then having to figure out how do you build that then into the game itself in the same way, you know, is it something that's kind of a flavor text on an existing spell or you know what I mean?
0: But. I I did have so I had a character uh, in the game uh, where we had the we have I've talked about the game before where we had the auction and uh, the way that DM had kind of let things go. One of the things that that character my character in that game did was invented a spell that was basically a leveled up version of magic missile. So magic missile at the you know at, and for in uh you know is is um it, it top it's one d four in second edition it's one d four plus one you get three bolts. Actually, you only get one bolt. I think you get one other bolt for, like, every four levels. But he made, like, a third or fourth level version of that spell where each bolt you got it did 1d4 per level. Kind of, oh, wow, like a, like, you know, like, like, like lightning bolt and fireball. Mm-hmm. So he would throw out these magic missiles that would hit, you know, like there'd be like four missiles doing like 74 plus seven damage, which is actually pretty neat. So doing those kinds of things, I, I'm i actually a big proponent of letting characters build, create their own magic, but you need to balance it. You know, there's the whole benchmarking thing. Like even there, you're looking at, you know, Fireball is going to be, you know, 76 at that level, so you know it's going to hit uh, however many ever many people we can catch it. Uh, so this is only going to hit like three people, but it's, or it's, or I guess three, I think it was three people, but they're going to be hit for 70, 74 four plus seven, and they don't get a save. So you got to balance yeah. those things out, kind of the plus yeah, and minus. but you're also
1: you're you're having to burn a requisite spell slot in the same way, right? Yeah, because you're pumping that much more power into it. But yeah, I, I think that's cool. It's actually there's a Uh, On the current season of Critical Role, the one guy who plays a wizard uh, has started to do that. They've started to kind of craft some of his own spells, you know, like, you know, widow guests, whatever. And, uh, And I just think it's such a cool idea because so many of the spells that are in the in the PHP and in the supplementary stuff. It's stuff that they came up with at the gaming table, you know, because somebody went, well, I want to make this, you know, and I, I just think that's really cool. So it would definitely be something I would be into.
2: I don't know if either of you guys read from back in the day, the book Spellfire. No, I believe Ed Greenwood wrote this. I could be mistaken on this, but the point is one of the characters in the can- one of the campaigns I was running back in the day acquired it, one of the warriors. Back and the it basically, Yeah, it allowed him to basically absorb magical energy and not be harmed by it. Uh, but his ability to expel it was really questionable. It was kind of like a superpower, really, from a symbiotic yeah. ability he acquired. Mm. He came to me, and I was the wizard in the party, and he's like, how can I really expel this? I'm like, well, this is. we would need some outrageous gems to mount him in the helm, and then perhaps you could expel the energy out your eyes. <laughs> okay, so this <laughs> comes back to Bloodstone 2. In the statue of Orcus, I don't know. There's a bit of trivia for you guys. There were talking about treasure balancing. Be damned. There were two eight hundred thousand gold piece bloodstones in yeah, the statue's I mean, eyes. Of course, I mean that's so what any appraiser we used, would no, say. Right?
1: Did we you get those well, that, at the jeweler in town,
2: or that was in the book? That was in uh, uh, bloodstone two. The two <laughs> gems and there were eight thousand dollars gold pieces. So. He put them in there, and he, his Superman just, you know, was just super jealous at that point <laughs> of those eye beams of magical energy you could dispel through his helmet using those lens crystals. My point is, if you don't want me to do outrageous stuff like that as a player, don't give me two gems that cost that are worth 800,000 gold pieces each. So I'm going to put them in something.
1: There are certain amounts where, the, you know, as a DM, you are asking for certain things to happen if you say certain things. I mean, that's what's going to happen, right? I mean... <laughs>
0: Yeah, talking about kind of crazy player, crazy things PCs have done. You know, sometimes the crazy thing isn't when they do at big high levels, but even at like lower levels. So, for instance, we recently had a game uh, with the Woodstock Wanderers where the paladin. Um, oh I mean, yeah. So they were facing yeah. an enraged goaded brontosaurus. The brontosaurus had been goaded towards them, so it was angry. It was just running forward, attacking anything. So the paladin actually takes speak with animals. So instead of attacking, he tells everyone don't attack it, even though it's trying to attack us, just dodge. He takes speak with animals. He talks to the brontosaurus and through <laughs> some clever words and some clever commentary calms it down. Also at the same time, the other players managed to kill the two things that were goading the brontosaurus on. So the the pain, the, the pointy stick stopped poking it. And he turns the brontosaurus around and calms it down. I thought that was pretty crazy. Absolutely. Yeah, staring down, a giant brontosaurus who could absolutely flatten the party and talking to it instead of launching forward and fighting. That that was actually pretty crazy, I thought.
1: I thought you were gonna bring up the when Sir Morton, uh, literally against Brother Maynard. God knows what level this Brother Maynard anti-paladin, oath guy is, right? I mean, whatever, he's super high level. We all realize this. And Sir Morton, and we're maybe fourth or fifth level, Literally goes toe-to-toe with him with his vow of enmity, and then he – did he command him, or what did he do that he literally – and you missed the role – and he had to listen to him
0: like he all right so the background here is sir morton is the paladin in the party he has been sent by his order to find a paladin who was basically who has basically disappeared in this enormous uncharted jungle Uh, and it turns out that paladin has kind of gone quote native joined the evil cult that's sacrificing everyone to the giant lovecraftian monster underneath the jungle and um he is now so brother maynard is this anti-paladin he is powered up from from human sacrifice and all the goodness of evil and plus he was already higher level before he went in there so yeah so this was the game after the red cap incident where you where it was the total yeah. party capture and you guys were on you guys were basically you woke up tied up on a ledge overlooking a giant pit to the what we have come to call the underground spaghetti monster these giant monster. Tentacles filled with eyes, grinding, and then and and brother Maynard is throwing sacrifices to the tentacles. And he comes up and he tells brother morton. He asks brother morton to join him in sacrifice a being to the tentacles and 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 sir morton says no he he, he pushes him you know, he basically pushes him away brother manor tries to throw him in and they come the blows meanwhile the rest of the party is getting loose and yeah sir morton goes toe-to-toe with a high-level paladin one on one. he doesn't want to leave and he actually he nailed the role for he has the vow of uh vengeance vow i believe Amity, I think, yeah. yeah because yeah, he's an Oath of Vengeance Paladin. yeah. And I believe he hit the... I believe he had a Frighten, if I remember correctly. I think it's a Frighten yeah. ability. So because yeah, you picked the role, and I was just like, are you fucking kidding me? That just so, works. <laughs> so, so Brother Maynard was in a position where... He would, his back was to the pit and Sir Morton was in front of him. And Sir Morton couldn't really push him or fight him, but Brother Maynard couldn't come forward. So you guys were able to sneak out essentially backstage and down the mountain. And finally, Sir Morton came with you, uh, yes. which was epic. Absolutely, absolutely epic. You know, he, he went right in and stared down the the, the nemesis on top of the, uh, you know, on top of the ledge overlooking, others you know, there's, hordes of the snake of the, the snakes of the Alakir followers cheering him on as he's doing these sacrifices and yeah, they had the showdown onto the top of the temple over yeah. the sacrificial pit and it, it was awesome and it was the way brother that us, that, that Tom played Sir Morton that really made that come alive. So yeah. another crazy thing from this game though, the wizard has been is a has that's all joke he's has been he is literally an old wizard who used to be high level he spent many years and his friends his his, his adventuring buddy became the king he spent many years as his courtly mage entertaining kids his friend dies prince takes over kicks the old wizard out so has been is on the trail trying to remember how to do his combat magic he he, he doesn't always get along with the other races in the party he he's a speciesist a, he a, a little bit of a speciesist yeah. and uh so there's one point where they've had a hard fight in this in this underground temple there's a lot of temples in this game um and a and a coaddle who's a flying snake but a good flying snake calls them all together there's more threats coming the coaddle calls them together <laughs> under the altar to get blessed and to get healed and to get a long rest received, and yes. has been refuses to come close to the dirty quaddle. <laughs> He moves in the other direction, so the rest of the party gets a long rest, which they sorely need and, and through through this ritual. It has been running out the kind of the basically the the hallway he's trying to go up the hallway and a bunch of um star spawn uh not star spawn um yeah but it was a start yeah it's the, 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 star it, yeah, the yeah like a means. whole horde of star spawn led by a priest starts coming down. He's basically he's in a boat trying to row away because this is a flooded temple. It's it's a the temple's got got stone and water. It's 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 a uh, kind of an aquatic island kind of kind of underground temple. You got to see it. It sounds it looks it it works better than it sounds. Trust me. But he's (laughs) in a so the wizard's in a boat pretty much out of spells, pretty much out of hit points, rowing towards the entrance when a new horde of bad guys comes in and everyone else is, like, on the other side of the temple, like, you know, a hundred feet away getting getting healed.
1: Nice and rested up. And, yeah. <laughs> and
0: So that's when we found out he had the retreat spell and he used it running very quickly across the stones back to the temple before he was, you know, captured and carried off. Not the first time he has been almost captured and carried off because he wanted to run away.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, it's another great... Uh... Example of great role playing from, uh, from players really playing into the character.
2: Also, back in the day, I saw some really wicked abuse of the clone spell and the mm. same Thomas for Mad, the Mad. You know, that amateur uh, Tom Riddle slash Voldemort tried to divide his soul seven times. He did it oh, 13 spoiler times. Spoiler alert.
1: Spoiler alert. He did yeah. it how many
2: times? <laughs> He made 13 copies of himself, and that was a wondrous thing for me to deal with in my campaign world because now there was 13 versions of himself running around, which he couldn't control. All of them believed – very much – this was kind of like a precursor to Hallister, really. Um, I don't know who came first at this point in my memory, the chicken or the egg, but each one of them (laughs) thought they were the original one, uh, and they cooperated with each other when they saw fit. So I'm constantly dealing with, well, what's this version of Thoma's doing? What's this version of Thoma's doing? (laughs) Oh, he's burning a village down. What's he doing? He's making ice cream. You know, it was that. That was another super unexpected. That reminds me of. uh,
1: Did you guys watch the uh, the CW Flash series?
0: Uh, no, a, but um, I know I they, they did that. Crisis on Infinite Earths, right?
1: Yeah, they did, but the, there's the one character, he's a main character, Wells, Dr. Wells, and uh, they play this whole thing where like he has multiple versions of himself through all the different Earths. And the stuff they do with this guy, that's what it reminded me of, because some of these, like, he's one of the best actors I've ever seen, because he's playing these ridiculous oh, versions really, of idea. himself. from, like, all these different Earths. So it's kind of like the same thing. Like, you got 13 versions, but none of them are the same, you know? 13, yeah, I
0: imagine it's bad enough running a couple undead or a couple lesser demons your players summon, let alone 13 other versions of themselves running around the world.
1: Plus the other players. But they were
0: all in the same
1: area, right? They
2: were all over the world doing their own thing? Doing whatever they wanted, whatever dimensions they wanted, because they were all 30th-level wizards. They're like, you're scattering Uh, ourselves to the wind.
1: Yeah. I, yeah, this has been a great game, guys. We're gonna retire to these guys now. <laughs> See,
2: so, this, yeah, the,
0: this is an argument for, for character retirement, I think. Okay, when there's when you've made thirteen of yourselves running around different dimensions, I think we gotta put this one on hold.
1: You won. You won. <laughs> one B and D.
0: We'll get together for an all-star game at some point. We can play the whole Council of Thomases. You have all thirteen of them in a party.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. They're like the Shazam, right? Like the eight uh Brothers and sisters.
0: We hear stories about the bard seducing all sorts of crazy things. We actually had the wizard, and this was Cassidus, I believe, Tony's wizard, who decided to seduce the bronze lich. Not knowing her providence, not knowing what she was underneath. Yes, she was the old kind of... Yeah, this was before he became the larval Ever mage. worked for Deadpool. So this was that character. Before that character became the larval mage, he had a romance with the bronze lich. It um, only, only, almost too late did he find out what she really was. In the Bronze Lich, for those who don't know, is a character who can appear as a beautiful noble woman, and she is powerful in the land. But underneath, she is a bronze skeleton enhanced with all these magical gems, and she is actually a lich. Oh
1: man, it's the Melisandre scene.
0: Oh god. Yeah, sort of. Oh sort of. man. And, and I believe Tony, didn't you almost wind up in a bad situation where you found out what she was in a room alone with her? Um, <laughs> she
2: she kicked my ass is, is what happened there because <laughs> like i I was a level eleven wizard at the time and I was like a pair. I, I thought I was my character thought he was pretty hot shit to be perfectly honest. Like I mean level eleven, e, e, it's, it's in four e and in five e level eleven, you're you're solid. Like you're like you, you know, you're you in witch. a witch right. <laughs> Well, yeah, no, and she's, yeah, and she's like, ah, kneel before sod, and I'm like, don't underestimate me, and she's like, I'm a level 29 solo, and I'm like,
1: yeah. Yeah, dude, like, a lich is hard against a level 11 party,
0: <laughs> much
1: less a level 11 dude.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, she's out she's there like, with just ass slammed the breeze, me through, sort of like. I feel like I did a very good job of hiding the twist in that particular campaign.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. People that, didn't that see it. Liz Monster's Wildly dramatic. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, oh. <laughs> so remember, Bards, be careful who you're seducing. The girls
2: got to have no skin. Yeah.
0: Yeah. No flesh at all. Just, just an animated skeleton. I mean, there's not really much romantic you're going to do with that. Other, well, some cool. other crazy player stunts. We've talked about the iron walls before, but they got way out of hand. That's that's said so that was uh when when Tony's wizard came into the one campaign world, hit a level where he cast iron wall, remembered shenanigans that had actually been kind of ruled away in first edition, just started dropping flying from flying carpets, dropping iron walls on armies. I mean, we're flying above them. I put an iron wall down in the middle of the army and it falls over. It doesn't matter which way it falls. It gets peace apart of the army
2: or turning dragons to stone.
0: There was that there was absolutely that. Yeah.
2: In a uh, different campaign altogether, it was a riffs campaign, uh, which is a futuristic sci-fi, like, you know, apocalypse scenario. Uh, we had been constantly clashing with the coalition who was the, the uh, ruling faction they were like the empire for all intents and purposes, the generic empire, and we were a bunch of super villains, and we're like, you know, we're tired of these guys. Like, how are we gonna really stick it to them? We could do this, we could do that, and it's still, it's still on like actual Earth, and we're like, you know what? We're gonna rob fort knox and then that happened so we used magic and guile and ocean to leaven our way in there and we met we got in there they're like oh there's no way they can rob this place well unless you have a character who has class 50 strength who can lift <laughs> pallets of gold like he's lifting you know a stack of my pillows and then throw them into dimensional portal you know then there's no way you guys could possibly escape and we cleaned out i forget what the total tally was but I think we all walked out of there with like something the effect of three hundred million credits each. So we bankrupted the Empire. We took all their money and left and hid in a different dimension. So good luck chasing us. We went to another dimension.
1: Was this the same we could tell was this the same game where when you guys
2: did that, it kind of like that was like, okay, this this was good. And this, this different rips game. That was my fourth of all paladin. This was my super villain who I based off of Kenshiro from Fist North Star. Actually, so, I've never seen that. What's his deal? Uh, that particular character was a mutant, essentially, from the Marvel Universe, but he was inspired by Kenshiro from uh, that anime. I don't know if you're familiar with it. Uh, his uh, gimmicks include touching people, using certain key points, and causing their heads to explode.
0: Ah, uh, okay. Yeah, I've, I've seen that. Yeah, I, yeah. I have seen that scene from Fist of the North Star. <laughs> sounds balanced.
2: Sounds oh, balanced. extremely yeah. balanced. So not only the guy who is invulnerable, super strong, super fast, he could kill you with lethal touches. But uh, yeah, we, I mean, I, yeah, but, I could easily build encounters for that. Well, you know what though, <laughs> I've no, I mean, I gotta tell you, we it, it we made it work because my my, my ceiling is literally the the, the sky. So, um, like, I, we went up fighting, like, avatars of gods, and okay, and we got, and they, actually, that character got his ass kicked on more than one occasion, because Rifts has, you, if you ever said D&D's balancing was a little hinky in back and first and second, <laughs> wait until you see this balancing. It's nothing quite like you ever fought a monster with, uh, with might as well be 100,000 hit points, because they're floating around. Not mm. often, but there was a couple of things. Now, of course, you're throwing attacks for thousands of damage, but still, they had literally. Well, had this
0: a- is a game with MDC. It's got a whole different damage scale for, you know, mega damage scale for a large size things versus the regular damage scale. Yeah.
2: It, yeah, it'd, I it'd never be, played in rifts at all. It'd be like fighting. It'd be like fighting a dragon with thousands of hit points. Right,
0: right, right. You're gonna run out of spells. <laughs> <laughs>
2: Or it missiles, depending upon what's book. happening.
0: So, I mean, we've talked a lot about what uh, the crazy things players have done. And Tony, like you said, you said you, your sky's the limit as far as what you let them do. What tips do you have for DMs adjudicating these crazy player stunts when players pull them?
2: Well, as uh, Spock said in uh, Wrath of Khan 2, the good of the many outweighs the good of the few. So don't do anything that's going to absolutely blow up your game. Don't be afraid to say no. I don't. I actually. I'm a, a pretty liberal DM. Like I let some crazy stuff fly, as you guys are seeing in the campaign.
0: But really, those two, I would say. Mm. What about you, Dave? You've had so much crazy stuff go down in your games. What do you try to do when you try to adjudicate it? How do you try to make it work or tell them no?
1: Well, it, like again, yeah, it depends on what what it is they're they're uh they're doing or they're asking for if they're just trying to do something cool like during combat or something like that then you know very much you know you can certainly try that type of thing and then we'll see you know try to try to roll it out unless it's something that's completely out of out of the physics of the game right or out of the verisimilitude of the world you know continuity as tony likes to call it if it's Mm -hmm. things like where they want to go in terms of like, you know, uh, power or magic items and things like that. That's kind of what we were just talking about. And it's, that's where I get a little, "Mm, I'm not sure, you know, I want to, I want to give, but I don't want to give so much that it complete, because you can, as we've talked about before, it can really start to Hmm. affect the game, you know, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I mean, it's still a game in the end, but you know, the, the, the enjoyment of it, you know, that could maybe get a little stale, you know? If you get everything you ever wanted type of thing. Well, um, get, I think it's on a very case by case basis for me, though, depending on the what campaign it is, what group it is and and what we're playing at that point. You know what we're doing. That, that's ver-
2: that's very well said. Yeah, it's definitely case to case basis. And because we've kind of talked um, about
1: it with Barobia, right, with the Ravenloft setting, yeah.
2: you know, and magic items and that whole
1: idea, because it's like, well, it doesn't really fit in the same way. Not in the same way like with with Storm Kings, where it's this more open world, you're just in the Forgotten Realms, and you know magic items, it's 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 different, you know, it's just different. So I think it's very it's very case dependent on what what you're playing at the time.
2: I would say I agree with everything you just said, but <laughs> if you're doing something, well, you know, don't, don't 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 get used to that though. That someone's trying to do something that's you know really cool It's going to affect their character. I, I'd be very mindful of creating a disparage like a, a real gap between characters because mm-hmm. back in back in the day that sometimes flew but right now I gotta tell you I've been on the business end of that personally and it sucks when you're like there's a character who's jumped out in front of me now and I'm gonna be and I'm just They're down the highway already. Like I'm in the parking lot and I'm turning over my car and they've got a 50 mile head start on me. You don't want to create that dynamic, especially if the player feels there's really nothing they can do to change that.
0: Mm. I do think there's definitely an element of what you're letting one player do. You have to let the other players do. You know, it mm. might be the exact same thing, but you can't let, you you really can't let one character get, one player take their character and do all sorts of cool stuff with them without giving that same opportunity to everyone else. And I think that's something you got to be careful with. You know, you don't, because that's really where those power imbalances come from, right? I mean, everyone, if everyone gets special abilities, great. If one guy gets a special ability, well, then that guy's just kind of, you know, well, he's getting, he's getting more out of the game. Well, his character is, you know. The game itself can, can 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 yield different kinds of rewards, but that is a little bit, that can seem unbalanced and unfair. And I think that's the tricky thing to kind of keep control of. You know, with as far as the rest of it goes, I think really, you know, going back to, think about how you can let them do the things they want to do without breaking power balance, like you guys are saying, is really important. In some of the levers you can push and pull there, like we've talked about benchmarking, I think you can absolutely turn things they want to do into a quest. So just because they want something at third level that is ridiculous at third level... Doesn't mean you can't make them, you know, send them, okay, it's over there. You know how to get it. And then send them on like a three or four or five level quest to go get it. Or 10, or 20 level. Absolutely. You, know, you can make getting the thing they want to do the adventure. That can become the game. Um, so keep that in mind. Even in the cases we talked about, you know, we talked about wishes a lot here because wishes lead to these kinds of shenanigans. Oftentimes as a DM, you can turn something from, okay, I want this. Well, here's where you go get it. And now as the DM, you now control the time until they get that and the path they take to get that. You probably don't want to make it too long, but you at least can, you have room to build in some levels as you close up any great power gap. You know, there's these levers you can pull and work with to basically make sure things don't break your game. You know, one thing we didn't talk about is what about when characters want to do something crazy that isn't power related or wish related, like uh, start a newspaper. With well, the Real, real quick, Thorne, I just wanted to I wanted to back up real quick. <laughs> I wanted
1: to back up real quick and just piggyback on what you said because I thought it was a great point. Because it's something that I like I I, I would definitely add that to, to my, my general response to it as well, in that there's that a trust between the players and the DM too that you know you're in good hands. And like so the thing that they want to do at first level, right? That is just way overpowered for first level, right? But is it something that you can build into their character arc through the adventure, it, whether it's through quests, whether it's through just, you already kind of can see, like, for instance, with uh, with your party in Barovia, in, in the Curse of Strahd campaign, um, I think continually kind of push out against all of you and kind of see where they want to go and each of you is is in a different arc in a way do getting different uh different primers uh i have different plans for each of you but all cool things you know depending on the character but not necessarily all that happened oh that session you know oh well that's the session everybody got something kind of thing you know sometimes it it those story beats hit at Uh, separate times and i think that's okay too as long as there's that trust within the game that you know that you're being heard and listened to as a player as well
2: so anyway i i I think trust uh trusting your dm is super important because that way if you don't like if you see somebody get something really cool that stops other players from the butthurt or, you know, any of that other petty table nonsense, which we've all experienced. I mean, if you're going to make one character, he has to be able to fly. You say, okay, you can fly now. Like, what else? What, what's going to go on with these other characters? They don't all necessarily need to fly. But, you know, maybe, maybe, you know, that has to be taken consideration. But if we're talking to things not related to power, my last story is the of, of unexpected crazy player stuff was I dropped Barovia basically in the center of my campaign world at one point. I, I believe I mentioned this in a previous podcast. It's so a great Raven thing to drop L- into your campaign world, everybody. Just drop it in there somewhere. Dave's a little biased. But why <laughs> yeah, Barovia?
1: It. It's I mean, in all worlds.
2: I, I already had Greyhawk and Forgotten Realms basically on the same map. So now Barovia, now Ravenloft's in the middle of that. And at this time, uh, operating at a Greyhawk, uh, I had a cleric in the party who. Uh, I was conceptualized as Obi-Wan Kenobi, the original one, General Kenobi. Hello there. And um, he's like, you know what? I'm sick of this shit. Like, we're we're sitting around a game, like, okay, we're going to do this. I was expecting them like, okay, we'll do this, we'll do this. He's like, no, I'm sick of this shit. We're taking down Strahd right now. Okay. And him, Sir Thomas, the one that got the Holy Grail, And Theoden, who is my Drow Elf version of Richard Pryor, basically kicked the doors in on freaking Ravenloft uh, and uh, came rolling in there to lay the smackdown on the Lord of the Undead. And that was was pitched. That was a super pitched battle. It was very epic. Torben wound up getting hit with an imprisonment spell. We had to crack him out of that later at the end of that battle. But Strahd did go down, and his castle collapsed. True Castlevania styles. <laughs> well,
0: if you we put that many things in the world, I guess they got to deal with something, right? They got to they got to take something out. No, no, no we've, got, we've, we've got we've got uh, Raven's Loft, we've got, Grey, we got Faerun, we've got gray, we've got we've got great we got Greyhawk. One of these has to go. We got to we got to wrap up one of these plot points. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, as a DM, I was
2: like Game of thrones and they're like, "Whoa, they'll get allies." And it's like, no we're going right there we're going right to his door we can do this just the three of us and i'm like all right wasn't super prepared for this but
0: here we go that's really the kind of thing the players should let the dm know about at the end of a session before the next session let the dm prep a little bit for that nah. diplomatic mission to the to, to castle to castle Ravensloft. yeah yeah like
1: ravenloft that's a big one I mean Ray Loves a big one. It's that, gonna take a little prep. So, you know, give me some some headroom. But all right, so Thor, you were saying though
0: that' Well that was kinda I was this is another one I was kinda jabbing Tony over because there was I had a character, uh fourth edition, and this but this was totally unrelated to edition, because what I wanted to do with the character was we were in a town that Tony was DMing and he kept talking about all the little orphans running around. And this character was kind of a uh this character was a little bit like he was a snake oil sales, salesman. He was a wizard, but like his character was, he was a snake oil salesman. He was a con man. He would come up like, like make like fake potions and sell them. And he was like, oh, we got all these orphans running around and I've got money from adventuring. Hey, let's start a newspaper. I'm going to teach the orphans. I'm going to teach some of the older orphans to write. I just want them to copy out the newspapers. And we're gonna make we're gonna make a handmade orphan-run newspaper, and it's gonna start talking up how great we are. He's like a carnival barker type of, you know, we're gonna start talking about we're gonna talk about stuff going on in town. And we're also gonna slip in stories about how great we are, and that's how we're gonna grow ourselves as, as as like you know into into the heroes and rulers. Yeah, yeah, it, that uh, yeah, that, so that was that was definitely a crazy idea. One of my characters tried to run with. As I under, as I remember, the DM wasn't wasn't keen on letting the uh, orphans unionize in that way. <laughs>
2: um, yeah, I know. I'm crazy. I'm a like a bit of a traditionalist. I kind of wanted to get you in the dungeon. Versus have you like start your, you know, your enterprise here and start your own business startup here, you know, where he's like making potions of energy with cocaine in them. And uh... that was something I wanted to do. You know? So
1: I'll I'll say with that specifically, because it goes right back to our, I think our last episode when we were talking about, you know, what does 5e do well? What does it not do well? All of that. And I think it's this, it's this kind of thing that starts to beg that question, because. I I haven't run into this much with my game groups where they want to, you know, whatever, they want to open a tavern or something, but I have seen multiple posts of people where their party decided to taste test throughout the town all the different ales and every tavern they stopped in, and they decided that they were they could do it better, so they wanted to open their own tavern and stuff. And it's like, I think it's those kind of games where people go, Five isn't and built for this, and they're like, well, yeah, no shit. I mean, it's like, that's where it's going to be a lot well, of... I don't think I'm built for this. Well, well, that's just nothing I mean, wrong with it, but it's not going to be, you know, you're not going to, your, your character sheet isn't going to necessarily come into it as much. It's going to be a little more narrative. It can be a lot of fun, but that's a bit more... On a narrative text, you know, as opposed to going to the, the book that's a third combat, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, when you're doing something like that, well, you, you don't do it from the book. The, the book might have some things to guide you. And I think in the fifth edition DMG, there is some things. They talk a bit about what you can do during downtime. Yeah, downtime. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, but it is an open space. Yeah. However, I think good characters have their own goals and ambitions beyond your story. And for most of them, that probably should not just be uh, my goal is to go into a dungeon and beat up a monster. Even the greatest hunter has another job. He does. He had another calling as a career. He goes out and hunts as a hobby. Now maybe you're adventurers or adventurers first, but what are they adventuring for? What do they want to do? And I think some of these characters should come up as well. Yeah, I do want to start. You know, I do want to start a great pie bakery. I yeah, am. You know, yeah. I want to start a newspaper. I want to try to become the king of my own castle. You know, these kind of these kind of secular goals they should have beyond just experiencing the adventure. Because really, it's a pretty shallow character if they only want to experience the adventure. You're talking about your ultimate nihilist kind of character. That no, the character real depth beyond nihilism is gonna have something else they want to do. So I always try to. Like that dude, I forget his. Name. I think his name was. I think his name was actually David Copperfield, or something. Some some, some variation of David. <laughs> I, I think it was. Uh, he was a shyster. He was he was a snake oil salesman. He was looking for his big, thing, looking to kind. It of, also a little bit a little bit influenced by um, uh, Moist Van Lipwig from the uh, Discworld novels, Going Postal, Raising Steam, where he was. Uh, he, he basically this was a con man who. Be, who, who the benevolent dictator veterinari made made reopen the post office. So he he's actually to, kind of they he, took and he, shoved the job onto. It's actually he tried to was, bring a monorail to the town. That one too. You know, actually, I believe he. he I believe there is one that raising <laughs> steam. He's trying to bring. He's trying to bring a locomotive to the town. Monorail. Yeah. Monorail. It, monorail. it is that kind of character, but it's that kind of character turned towards building up the town. Yeah. So, and that was sort of what I was looking for, to take this this shyster to start building things in the town. And that was kind of his goal. Now, how do you DM it as a DM? I mean, like I said, he wanted no parts of it, so this wound up going nowhere. What I probably would have allowed was some extent to setting it up, but then there's going to be complications. You know, it's not going to run smoothly. And you definitely put some tension between, well, the character's going off to adventure, so he's not watching the shop, so what happens when he's not at the shop? Absolutely. You know? I think you do some of that with it. Uh, If you want to get into it at all. But that was. no, I
1: think that that stuff is awesome. And I totally am open to that type of thing, you know, because then all that does is just feed the story in the world. But I think you just have to have the right kind of group and players like you're saying for that.
0: Would have been great. We had our
1: own newspaper telling everyone how
2: great we were. Yeah. (laughs) You're you're starting to write the newspaper and they're like we're leaving it at five and you're like ah my newspaper so I mean there there was a uh, dynamic there between the parties. Please, I'm so. a
0: wizard. I stay in the back while they're while they're in the infirmary. I'm off writing. Just because most of the party couldn't read shouldn't stop it from happening. The
2: <laughs> literacy levels at the time were like forty percent. In- <laughs>
0: So what? Any any other like kind of like non like like things like that? Things that are crazy but not in a way that's just magic and power gaming. Like anything other anything else like that you've seen? I mean, Phineas in the game in, in the Barovian game is of course you know basically a playboy. He's he he was trying to seduce the the Vistani so that we would have some Vistani allies. Don't oh, like that's yeah. the way that works, but you know, well, he worked he absolutely that. He did. Uh, he, he when put you guys were hard in... nights trying to make, yeah. that, make those relationships stick,
1: yeah. When you were in the village of Barovia with the sisters, yeah, you guys had, uh, had a lot of success there, you know. But as we've seen, you know, the Vistani are not a block group, you know, uh, they're all individuals, right. you know.
0: So, anything else like that? Anything else of the kind of the non, you know, non power gaming kind of crazy? Mm. I mean,
2: aside from the time that a player tried to recreate the Venom suit, or uh, and he wound up becoming a Venom suit as a <laughs> failure in the whole procedure, and he melted, and then another player character was wearing him, that was a little out there. Um, <laughs> so that was hold on, that was that was Morgan, right? That was that was the original Morgan, not Hawk Morgan. We gotta
0: keep this. Yeah, nice that was there. the original Morgan. He was the or same. This is from the game where they burned down the pixie village. Yes. Where the end ended with the party killing each other and the one player turning into, polymorphing into a blue dragon and stamping the ashes of his fellow <laughs> into the ground.
2: Yeah, who tried to backstab him a few moments before. Yeah, that happened. Um, yeah, he ended up, he basically turned himself into a magical item. Unintentionally. He's like, oh, I'm going to create this. I'm going to create this. I'll go to any means to do this. You can't stop me. Like, they're playing the queen song in the background. And I'm like, great. Yeah. The missing components for this, the magical goop you needed was yourself. And he melted into black ooze. And um, yeah, he um, he certainly got powers from that. But uh, at the same time, I'm trying to roleplay now in, in the uh, second edition context how uh you're going to play as a (laughs) symbiote so it's like great you have these powers now you're this new entity but yeah you need a buddy and he eventually found a player to team up with and yeah that player was vastly upgraded from his awesome symbiote who was also the guy who stole all your money honestly i think that was really karma how did I mean, you really actually...
0: like, like how, how did you how did you decide that that was what happened like what would you what would you let him do to pursue this he was
2: trying to draw energy from the positive material plane that i mean i don't remember exactly how he put this together because this was a long time ago but some roles went a little south and i'm like yeah you're not dead but dot <laughs> dot dot
0: you you're are like, the weapon not in the are... good way
2: Yeah, you you are the weapon. That's exactly right. And the other player who wound up wearing him didn't know it was him for a significant block of time. (laughs) Because he's from a different campaign. Like, he turned into this goop, and then he winds up, you know, it's like, oh, wow, I've got this amazing suit of armor that polymorphs, and it's fantastic, and
0: I'm stronger and faster, and mm, it's alive. It is, it's pinching all the wrong places.
1: The <laughs> ultimate cursed item, man. Yeah.
0: But
2: he, he needed that person to get around and, you know, and exist. So it was... Um...
0: So did he just like, did that player just kind of ride the other player and cast his spells and, and do everything from the other player's back? It, it was, well, I mean, at that point, it was something that, I'm trying to remember what
2: when, how in the timeline this happened. I believe this is after your campaign collapsed.
0: He had the Venom suit during that campaign. At least towards the end of it, he did. Okay, yeah, he had I, don't been, I don't remember it being the. I don't, I don't know if I remember being the same character. Well, you know, these are the, the, these secrets have been lost to the mist of time. I believe. <laughs> right, right. I mean, he he died,
2: and I think he came back strictly as the symbiote, if that makes sense.
0: That's it, Dave. And in, the next, in the next game, Tony play Tony DMs me and you. One of us is the suit; the other one's the guy wearing it. <laughs> well, no, th-
2: at that point, at that point, I wasn't DM. Yeah, no, that someone was... else was
0: DMing you that. Okay. Yeah. Maybe I wasn't, okay, okay. I remember there was a Venom suit when I was in it, but maybe the I, I, maybe the rest happened uh, when I was so in So there
2: wasn't players playing that at the time, like one was <laughs> the DM was actually, he's like hey, oh, they, you can tell me item.
0: Okay, okay. I think it'd be funny if it was. I mean, kind of, we did it one like we talked about, we did the one time where the other player carried my book around and I cast spells as the book.
2: Yeah, I mean, but I, I don't know how that works in the, in the there, long there, term.
0: There is the famous mage who's a, who's actually a, a, a there there is a Character running around where a character's like, Well, there's a story, there's a meme, I should say, where a, ca- where, where a player's like, Okay, my character is a loaf of bread, bread. He carried around by its own mage hand. Yeah. <laughs> He's been cursed. He, it's a wizard who's been cursed to be a loaf of bread, but I use mage hand to carry him around. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
2: I don't know. I remember, um, we we're also talking about unexpected, insane, random, crazy back in the day mechanical things back in first edition. Um, the the, the same uh, mad wizard was ro- roaming around a dungeon and uh, he may have been drunk in real life at the time and something startled him. So he turned around and just blind casted chain lightning. Well, it was some rats or something to that effect, which he shot his chain lightning over and it rebounded off a wall. Now, I don't know. The mechanics are a little different now than in 5e. <laughs> but the point is, This guy is, like, a level... I mean, he wasn't at his apex of power, but he was, like, level 24 or so. So 24 bolts of lightning came back at him. And he kept rolling his attack rolls, the first bolt actually hit him. And then he kept rolling, and most of those bolts connected. So he blew himself to molecules. It's like, so not only are you dead, we're gonna need to do a DNA test on your character... Dude, definitely identify this was you. I don't know how a resurrection going to work. Can I do that from a dried stain of blood on the ground? Because that's about what I'm working with. <laughs> One rough. molar? Yeah. One <laughs> molar fragments.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like there's only the, – he's not here anymore. There's just the, you know, the, the shadow of the electricity around where his shoes used to be.
2: Yeah, it's this dust. It's just, just you know, charred rock? I, I don't know. Is, is there Enough steamer?
0: electricity will vaporize you. It will not, enough electricity will will turn you into, will, will make you disappear.
2: <laughs> yeah, he, he disappeared because this is first edition. In most first edition games, you died at zero hit points. If you're using the death Door rule, you die at negative 10. And he was at like negative
0: 126. There's never been a DD and d edition that you survived past that. <laughs> No, no not that I can of think of. Or, I don't care if you're in fourth, fifth, third, second. Yeah, they all kill you when you're at, like, you know, negative 125.
2: Yeah, the plot armor isn't sturdy enough to protect you from that much damage.
0: <laughs> all right, guys. So we've been talking about this for a while. I think that's the uh, I think that's the end of the, 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 the character stories we'll tell this time, and I'm sure we'll get to back together on one of these later. Any final thoughts before we wrap up here?
1: Yeah. As I said in the beginning, crazy things players do – is kind of like, the, that's literally the definition of D&D. So yeah. uh, be open to it. We obviously went over some examples where there are some things you, you you might need to adjudicate a little more, or you might need to work out. But for the most part, I like to kind of go with the Mercer's thing. You know, you can certainly try. What craziest thing do you want to do? And we can probably cobble enough roles here together to do it, you know? <laughs> And live with the consequences.
0: In in the dice, all things are possible.
1: Yeah, it's really, you know, it's, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Including swimming to a bottomless hole continually. <laughs> even though I, I tell I, you there's nothing there and it's bottomless, you know, <laughs> and then you die.
2: Yeah, no, the, the dice are a fantastic tool in that sense, but I, I always stand with my feet firmly on the ground in terms of continuity. Yeah, feel free to try anything. Go ahead. There could be a rule for it. There could be a role for it. Does this fit my universe? If it fits my universe, there you go. And if it doesn't, you could try. Maybe it will surprise me with like three natural 20s back to back. Isn't that what's great about the story? Sometimes it writes itself.
1: Mm, Very
2: true.
0: And for me, uh, I guess I'll leave with two things. Number one is uh, what we t- we said a couple episodes ago, and it dovetails with Dave's point here. Don't say no. Determine difficulty It's something I read in the Dragon magazine many years ago, and I consider it some of the best DMing advice I've ever had. The crazier the idea, you know, break it down into its component skills and parts and attack rolls or scale rolls or checks or whatever you need. Let them roll it and see what happens. So that, that's 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 number one. You know, don't let yes let the players try. Let them let let the rolls determine what what they're able to do or maybe they come up with a great plan that surprises you and you decide you want to run with it. Number two, you know, we're talking about crazy player stunts here. And sometimes we look at this as almost like it's like players acting like cats. We see this as almost like the uh, well, remember, <laughs> Like these are the times when the players were the biggest assholes. Just cats knocking stuff. <laughs> the table. But the reason we remember these stories is because players pulling crazy shit like this is what really makes D&D fun and memorable. Well, and DM's pulling crazy stuff like we talked about in our other episode. That is also what makes D&D fun and memorable. So I say lean into your crazy. Let the cool stuff happen and just... Do your best to, 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 to know your power levels, to know your benchmarking, and find ways to fit it in without breaking the rest of the game. And I think that's it, guys. It's been a great time talking with you, walking down memory lane here. Absolutely. Good stuff. Thank you all at home for joining us once again for an ep- another episode of Three Wise DMs. You can catch this content and more on ThreeWiseDMs.com. You can follow the podcast in just about any place podcasts are served, including iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, all those places. Feel free to follow us there. And if you like it, smash that five-star recommendation button. You can also email us at ThreeWiseDMs at gmail.com or send us feedback on Facebook or Twitter where we're very active. We're also going to get the Instagram page going soon. We'll see you next week on Three Three Wise DMs.